This is the first of two videos about sacred fire in the Nordic tradition. The first video here will introduce this topic and the second video will show you my own suggestion for a contemporary way of making sacred fire in Nordic animist ways. And that's based on what I've been able to glean from folklore materials. Sacred fires have been lit for seasonal bonfires at different times of the year, midsummer pyres, mayday pyres, but also importantly for Yule hearth, uh, probably other sacred fires around the year. My name is Rune Janu and uh, I'm a historian of religion and on this Nordic Animism channel I popularize my reflections dialoguing with cultural history in order to recover North European traditional animist knowledge of land connectedness and kinship with the other than human world. You can Patreon support my work or you can visit my webshop. Here I'm actually expanding a little bit on the kind of material that I've already tried to communicate about in my work on traditional seasonal animism uh, uh, that I'm publishing in the Nordic Animist World Calendar and the explanatory book here, The Nordic Animist Year, which can be found on, in my webshop. The idea of sacred fire uh, is actually a really common ceremonial element in many human cultures. The Indians, for instance, they still practice their 3,000-year-old ritual of the Agni Kayana. The Jews used to have an eternal fire burning in the menorah, the seven-branched candelabrum. The Zoroastrians in Iran have a sacred fire burning in their temple that has burned for one and a half millennia. Indigenous Americans sometimes have a sacred fire, spectacularly, for instance, the Onondaga who guard the sacred council fire of the Haudenosaunee Five Nations Confederacy. One particular cluster of peoples who are passionately involved in sacred fire is actually Europeans. The ancient Greeks had a sacred fire of Hestia, the goddess of the hearth. The Romans called her Vesta, and in her temple, the sacred fire was guarded by virgin priestesses. All over Northern Europe, you find sacred fire. You find it among the Irish, Scottish, English, French, German, Scandinavians, Baltic, Slavic, Poles, Russians, and so on. Right? You find rather similar ideas and practices of sacred fire. Uh, in fact, this practice seems to have been so central that it is an example of an animist practice that has been remarkably resilient to Christianity. In the Nordic area specifically, you find ceremonial handling of, uh, of fire at different points in, in history. In, uh, in pre-Christian times, sacralizing a fire seems to have been a thing. Heathens sacralizing a fire is mentioned in the Njal's saga, uh, though the saga doesn't give us any details of exactly how this was done. There are descriptions of fire used to claim land in Iceland, lighting a fire at the mouths of rivers or carrying fire, fire over the land, scaring bad spirits of the land with fire, 
these kind of rituals. In the Kjalnesinga saga, we are told that there is a temple of Thor where there was a fire that should not be extinguished. And the heathens called this fire a Vigdan Eld, a wood fire or sacralized fire. This sounds very reminiscent actually of the Roman Vesta temple. Later in the same saga, a heathen priest is carrying some of this sacred fire around the temple in a way that to my eyes looks like it might be a purifying ritual. Uh, a person has just been killed in this sacred site and then he performs this act immediately after. There are also descriptions of religious services, bloats or sacrifices in Norway where uh, the core of the ritual was that three fires had been lit and then the horns for the toasting ritual were carried around these three fires immediately before the toasting. Closer to our own time, uh, in 18th, 19th century, you find ideas of hearths as spiritual beings. For instance, the Sami and the Norwegians seem to have had somewhat similar ideas. The Sami Saraka uh, goddess lives under the fireplace uh, and among Norwegians different beings have been associated with the fireplaces, sometimes with names conspicuously similar, perhaps even cognate with the Nordic god Loki. There was a lot of giving food to the fire, placing bowls of beer at the four corners uh, of the fireplace, particularly during holidays such as Yule. Even a little bit of blood from a slaughtered animal could be uh, given to a, a fireplace, a remarkably sacrificial practice actually. Uh, when you go through folklore, you meet a lot of ritual uh, engagement with fire. People were sacralizing candle making, pyres that bless and empower the land, torch carrying, taking omens from fire, praying to fire, using fire for healing, protection, for blessing, beer brewing, receiving offerings of beer, and so on. And like in, in many of the the videos that I make on this channel, I'm only touching the surface of this topic actually. This is something that could be explored in much greater depth. So think of this as me sort of trying to outline a little bit of summary perspective on this issue. In my next uh, video, uh, I will basically make a suggestion for one way of creating a sacred fire today, which builds on a practice that has been applied in making bonfires and May Day and Midsummer celebrations and so on, as well as for making Yule Hearth with sacred fire. Now, this is sometimes called a churn fire in English, or need fire, which in German is Notfeuer, and in fact Nødil in Danish. Uh, Slavonic peoples beautifully call this a living fire, and it's a ritual protocol for creating a fire that is dense with the animacy of fire for a ceremony purpose, through a technique of turning a rod in a hole and thereby making a friction fire. And this sounds easier than it is. Now in the book where I read about this stuff, um, Swedes were reported to make churn fires by turning a metal rod in the hole of an erect stone with amadou or tinder fungus inside it. We'll get back to that stuff. Um, but there are different methods. Typically people have made what Slavonic peoples call a fire door. 
where groups of people pull a rope to make the roller turn and create the friction. But this churn fire uh, also comes with a number of directions. And all these directions are sort of associated with some specific area in, in Northern Europe. Perhaps it should be done in specific locations, at a crossroads, at a hollow in a road, or perhaps at an island in a river. The people pulling the rope should perhaps be brothers, or have the same name, or perhaps they should just be chaste young men. Perhaps the tree used to make the device should be cut down by twin brothers. And if you want to achieve perfection, use a newly woven rope that contains strands from a gallows rope. There should be a specific number of people pulling the rope, typically nine, or 81 even, nine times nine. Doing this is actually still a living practice in Russia. And uh, in general, among Europeans, this seems to have been a public ceremony, uh, a very communal practice, not, for instance, a closed ritual. And that is part of the reason that I find uh, it viable to talk about this openly. But a little bit like I used to feel when I was working on the runic calendar here, I, I, I'm always wondering why does contemporary people who are drawn to earth-focused Eurodescendant religions not work more with these beautiful practices. And a bit like with the runic calendar, uh, I think, I suspect the reason might be that the people interested in this kind of stuff tend to be hippies. And hippies, like we hippies, we're often too lazy to engage complex and demanding stuff. Look at these dropouts. They think they're having fun. If we were agricultural workers, the day would already be half gone. And with regard specifically to sacred fire making, I must admit to being totally a hippie myself, as I have not acquired the ability to create a sacred friction fire through the churn fire method. It is quite simply too demanding for me. Uh, what I do is I use a fire steel. And uh, there are actually reports from Germany that people would prefer fire steel over matches when lighting specific seasonal bonfires. Uh, I think it's a little bit important to go into the materiality of this stuff and not fall back into this modernist re resignation of like, oh, I can't really be bothered, you know, learning this complicated stuff so let me just sit back and imagine that this fire is sacred and then it probably becomes sacred because everything is in the mind every anyway no from an animist perspective sacrality is not something you think or imagine into being it's there in the materiality of putting things together in specific ways and handling them in specific technologies then you're working with anim animacy it's not just in the mind. And let me just men mention also that the method that I'm using here is simple, but there is a wonderful British dude named uh, Ian Walton Lana who has basically devoted himself to this stuff, making sacred fire through churn fires and friction fires. And he has made a platform exclusively dedicated to these techniques. It's called the Sacred Hearth Friction Fire, and I really encourage you to check out the, his work. And also taking the time to exper experiment with recovering this method uh, yourself for the purpose of perhaps communal ceremonial creating a sacred fire. Or perhaps inviting Ian to teach your group, or if you're 
uh, in the eastern part of Europe, perhaps finding somebody who, who still remembers over there. Uh, Ian demonstrates some of the traditional ways, and importantly, in this context, the churn fire, which is a common traditional way of creating fire in much of northern Europe, both among Slavonic, Celtic, and Germanic-speaking peoples. I actually uh, came across an, an image of people doing this in Jutland. Uh, here, people used to do this with poles in a house. So you sometimes find these fire holes in old beams from old stable buildings and stuff like that. Notice here that the rod is being used horizontally in the pole of this stable building here. Uh, and this is a ritual which is reported in cases of cattle disease. Uh, all fire in the community would be put out and then a new fire would be churned in this way and it would be carried around to all the households. Right? Or um, perhaps sometimes a new fire would just be made once a year. And this fire would, al would also be used for seasonal pyres. There's a uh, case documented from Scotland where people would carry a torch from a seasonal bonfire back to their house and around the house, a little bit like this Thor's man in Iceland. There's a 13th century English chronicle that mentioned these need fires being made in parallel with setting up phallic figures for the purpose of healing sick uh, livestock. So these are very old rituals. Indeed, I think they have heathen origin. Also in Scandinavia, uh, people would bring an ember from a sacred uh, pyre of spring, for instance, home to bless the house. Sometimes the smoke can be seen as medicine, uh, protecting the house or protecting the cattle by driving them through the smoke of a sacred fire. The smoke would be blessing and empowering fruit trees in Sweden. The ashes would be taken and strewn on the fields to bless the fields and, or dig this. Like after, for instance, purifying cattle with this smoke, people would rush in and take the ashes from the sacred fire and rub it in their skin, literally blackening themselves with ashes and then leave it sitting there. Right? Notice this, the power of the materiality connected to this fire, blackening your skin with ashes, leaving it there for a long time without washing. You want to pull the protection and the blessing of the sacred fire all the way into your body. Uh, this uh, coloring your skin with ashes is something that has uh, also had other uh, ritual purposes uh, in, in Northern Europe. People would color themselves with ashes in uh, looser uh, traditions. And perhaps, I'm not sure if ashes have been used by the English and Welsh uh, Morris dancers, but uh, this might be linked with these uh, fire rituals. Notice also the importance of the smoke. Smoke is a sacred thing in many religious traditions all around the world. Uh, and there are cases in Northern Europe uh, in modern times where incense is being used to clench and scare away ghosts and these kind of things. So keep uh, smoke and perhaps incense in mind as an element that uh, can make sense in a Nordic animist tradition. The fire rituals during the Yule season are a particularly important case of sacred fire. Uh, people would be asking the fire to serve as well, but not to burn too much, burn the house. Building a positive relation with fire, acknowledging that it's also a dangerous thing and asking, 
it to be kind with us. And there were different uh, traditions for exactly how to arrange the Yule fire. Uh, but importantly, it was done with an intention of doing it in a certain way. People often toasted for the fire. And this Eldbjörg toast was sometimes done on uh, uh, Candlemas on February 2nd, where a beautiful ritual was recorded from West Jutland in Sweden. The lady of the house would make fire in the oven and then have a bowl of beer and some cake bread with butter ready. She would then call everybody in the house and everybody would stand in a half circle uh, around the, the, the oven. And one by one, they would kneel in front of the oven, toast for Eldbjörg, the fire, eat some of the cake and drink a little bit and then give the rest of the beer and cake to the fire. This sharing of food and drink is perhaps one of the most foundational ways of all, you know, of creating relation making, perhaps on par with having sex or something like that. You see that kin making with fire is created by sharing food and drink with it. The church did not appreciate this cult of fire and always considered it as a heathen thing, strove to eradicate it. In 1730, five people were brought to court and convicted in that same area of Sweden for having performed such a fire ritual. Uh, and this is a general image all over Northern Europe. Uh, all this stuff is harshly condemned by the church, even banned on penalty of public humiliation. And many of these practices have been almost eradicated. Another thing that it would be really good to figure out with relation to sacred fire is how to keep a fire going. Uh, for instance, throughout the Yule period, because sacred fire was important during Yule, as a little bit as if the darkest time of year needs a real fire, a fire, fire dense with the animacy, the fireness of fire, a megin fire, you know, fire that's ceremonially agented, fire that's ritually working, right? Uh, and maintaining an ongoing fire, that is part of actually creating a sacred fire, keeping a fire alive, it's part of magning a fire. And not only, you know, these crazy Zoroastrians in Iran who have had this one and a half millennia old fire in their temple or, <clears throat> or in the Saga Temple of Thor, but also in more doable shorter periods of having a continuous fire. In Sweden, there were areas where the man of the house would light the Yule fire and this would mark the opening of Yule. Uh, and then people would be giving a little bit of everything that was drunk and eaten during the Yule period to this Yule hearth. Right? People would take omens of the Yule hearth uh, and I think this is a very beautiful ritual, uh, which it would be really meaningful to recover back into contemporary uh, practice. One fire throughout the period. We're so used to just letting fire die out and then just light a new one. But there are probably some YouTubers out there who can teach you, or other people, bushcrafters, who can teach you how to make a fire go on. Um, and there must be ways of, of doing that, also in ways that are safe and workable. Uh, I, I found a guy who puts an open fireplace to sleep. He has a good bed of embers uh, in the night, in the evening, and then he puts a couple of logs on top of these embers and then ashes on top of, it, top of that. And he says that then the fire is still there in the morning. 
uh, and I'm not sure if that really would work in a stove. I've tried a little bit myself, but not really gotten it to work. Um, one should also be very aware of what one does with fire in stoves. Like, you don't want to create some, I don't know, reverse suction or something like that, and then the chimney takes, blows smoke into the house uh, during a whole night and asphyxiates everyone, something like that. You know, you have to make sure you know uh, what you're doing when you're working with fire. But also, if you aren't able to keep a fire going, you can target your sacred fire to particular days. Uh, I particularly recommend the Fire Day Yule, uh, the Elbjörg Day on, uh, on on January 7. And you can read about this stuff in my book here, Candlemas. Uh, also, a good time. There's a little translation of the an old prayer to the fire on this day. But really, fire is almost a constant element, actually, of Nordic seasonal animism. And uh, considering this very communal character of these rituals, I would encourage also thinking with community when creating uh, fire. You can create a community fire for gatherings and so on. So yes, this is just a cursory and brief introduction to the general topic of sacred fire in Nordic animism. Uh, you can make a Yule hearth to protect and bless your house and everybody in it. Or you can make a seasonal bonfire, perhaps fires for gatherings. And in the next video, I will introduce uh, my specific suggestions for how to approach ritual protocols for doing this. But I would also encourage that you go ahead and start working this out for yourself. There's a lot of material on this from all over Northern Europe. So I totally think that somebody should devote themselves to uncover and share more of these beautiful ritual elements linked to sacred fire that are surely waiting around in folklore records in Norway or Scotland or Estonia or somewhere. Poland, perhaps. And do check out Ian's channel, The Sacred Hearth Friction Fire. Perhaps try out some of his techniques. Uh, the real work of recovering traditional ways of knowing, they aren't following a YouTube channel. It's doing it yourself, you know. So, uh, yeah. See you in the coming video where I'm trying to do this by myself. And uh, thanks for watching.